Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we're taking you through the best bits of Noise by Daniel Kahneman, Cus Sunstein, and Olivier Sibony, uh, an, an, a flaw in human judgment. Man, this is a juggernaut of a book uh, by a couple of juggernaut authors. I'm not sure if you pronounce their names correctly then either. Just to come clean, you uh, we had to re-record the ads for these a couple of weeks ago when we were promoting this book on ads because uh, they said, oh, let's have another crack at the pronunciation yeah, one, of those surnames. can't Jonesy. pronounce anything. <laughs> That's all right. But this is another one of those books, much like the first one, Thinking Fast and Slow, where System 1, System 2, all of a sudden, you hear everybody sprouting out these words and uh, sounding articulate, a little bit like Black Swan as well. Everyone says and knows what a Black Swan is now. I think after this book, they've written this, noise will be a popular concept in culture where everybody knows what it means um, and apply it to different situations. Yeah, they say that there's two different types of mistakes that we can often make in human judgment. One is bias, which I think everybody is is pretty comfortable with these days, what bias is. The other is noise, which is the, the new thing that they're really introducing. And to give you a bit of an example, let's use like a, a footy player and we'll say like an Australian rules footy player. Uh, if you're not familiar, there's 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 uh, three areas I guess you can score. The two big sticks in the middle, if you kick it through there, it's a goal. Then you get uh, six points. If you miss to either side and kick it between the, the shorter posts, it's a behind and you get one point. And then if you miss everything, then you get zero points. So we're going to use this analogy to explain the difference between bias and noise. So let's say we got player A, right? So this bloke, he steps up and he kicks the ball and every single time he's that good kick, it doesn't veer left or right too much. It's always straight down the middle and there's no bias or no noise in this kick whatsoever. Yeah. If you're always kicking goals, you're always hitting the bullseye, then that's fantastic. That's what you want. The next player, player B, they're biased. So they're systematically off target. So pretty much every time they line up, they're missing to the right. They're kicking a point, but they're consistently getting it through that same right-hand point every single time. Yes, that's right. So there's not much variability. It's just always going into the one spot. Might be dropping it on the boot just a little bit to the right or something, but there's some reason that's causing this bias. Now, player C steps up, and this player's noisy. So on average, it's right through the middle, but in reality, it's going everywhere. There's equal amounts going behind to the left, to the right. Sometimes it's not even making the distance. Sometimes it's going through the goals, but um, all the way to the other side of the to the crowd. So on average, it's right through the middle, but there's still a lot of error mm. because sometimes it doesn't even make it, and sometimes it's a behind. Then you've got player D. Player D is pretty much the worst of both worlds. They're biased and noisy. So on average, they're kicking it through, say, the behinds to the right, but every now and then, because they're noisy, they're going to kick a few goals, they're going to kick a few points, they're going to kick a few out on the full, they're going to kick a few that, that don't even make the distance, they're going to kick a few where they just drop it, they miss their boot altogether and it just hits the ground and goes backwards. They're biased and noisy. So they're noisy in that they've got variability and they're biased in that the average is missing to the right. So there's two things that cause error here. There's bias, always kicking to one end, and there's also noise. So these two components are what make up error and they come up in different contexts. Yeah, another example or another metaphor that they use throughout the book is like uh, stepping on your your bathroom scales in the morning. If you know that every time you step on, you're two pounds overweight, as in like it it shows two pounds higher, Mm. that's biased so that you know that every time it's systematically going to be two pounds higher. But if you then, a different scale, if you step on, one time it's two pounds over, one time it's three pounds under, one time it's bang on, then the next time it's five pounds over, then it's four pounds under, that's noisy. Mm, you must be talking about my scales there, Asha. <laughs> we'll go with that one. 
So in the real world decisions, when the stakes are really high, noise can cause all sorts of errors. So for example, medicine, that's a place that you don't want noise, but mm. there's no shortage of it. Because like, let's say if you've got an illness, sometimes if you go to five different doctors, different doctors are going to have different judgments about whether the patient has things like skin cancer, breast cancer, heart disease, tuberculosis, depression, and a host of other conditions. So it's a bit of a concern, isn't it? If you go to one doctor and says, uh, you've got skin cancer, go and get it chopped off. But four out of the other five doctors say, no, nah, it's just a freckle on your, on your face. <laughs> yeah, correct. Uh, even in, in things like x-rays where you think it's pretty black and white, it was, a, it was an unintentional pun there, but I, I think it worked pretty well. I don't get it. Well, because x-rays are black oh, yes. and white, but yeah. also... That's funny. No, I get it. I was, I was a bit late to the when party say, there. When you say, oh, that's funny, that's not, <laughs> that's not really that funny, is it? <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, now back to the x-ray. They, you think like it would be pretty obvious as to what's what in the sense of you know what's bone, you know what's muscle, and they say, well, this is something obscure, but it turns out there's a lot of noise in x-rays as well. Some person will say, oh, yeah, that's a that's a, a bad break, and that, mm. someone will say, oh, no, that's... That's just the, that's where it's meant to be broken. I think it came up in a different book, but there wasn't this term noise to articulate mm. the concept. But uh, I should just say, look, everyone, I'm not a doctor. Don't take this as any medical <laughs> advice or anything like that. But I remember hearing about you know the diagnosis of prostate cancer or something when the, the actual surgery to remove it causes more mm. damage on average than the actual risk of prostate cancer itself. And that's because the amount of noise in the system, the, the amount of misdiagnosed prostate cancers and and um, surgery that doesn't necessarily have to happen mm. means the noise error is greater than the benefit of the actual surgery. Definitely. Uh, then uh, in, there's a whole bunch of other areas. Obviously, we won't just hang shit on doctors and medical professionals. Also, personnel decisions are very noisy. So two hiring managers or two interviewers can both interview the same two job candidates, but then make completely different assessments as to who they should hire. So performance ratings and hiring decisions are very noisy as well. Forecasts are noisy. So think about professional forecasters, whether they're projecting the sales of a new product, the change in unemployment rates, the likelihood of bankruptcy of a particular company, the results of the next election, pretty much anything that has any sort of judgment about what the future holds. Not only do they disagree with each other, even if they're so-called experts, they disagree within themselves <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, there was one study where they found they asked people to make a forecast and then a month later, they asked them to make the same forecast and compared to what they said a month ago, they're actually 71% different on average, which is a, which is a fair change. Mm. There's a whole bunch of other places where we're noisy. Bail decisions are noisy. Uh, asylum decisions are noisy. Child custody decisions are noisy. Uh, decisions on whether to grant a patent to a new invention or not, they're noisy as well. Basically, there's noise everywhere. Yeah, as the rule, wherever you look at human judgments, wherever there is human judgment, you're going to find noise. So in this episode, we're going to analyze and look at the different components of noise and then we're going to look at how we can improve ourselves to reduce the amount of errors that are created from noise. So to improve the quality of our judgments, we obviously need to overcome biases, which is what a lot of people and a lot of companies have been trying to do recently. But there's one thing that a lot of people haven't been doing, and this is something we need to do as well. We also need to overcome noise. Suppose someone has been convicted of a crime. It could be shoplifting, possession of heroin, assault, armed robbery, whatever that crime is. What should the sentence likely be? Now, the answer, you'd think it shouldn't depend on which judge is looking at the case. It shouldn't depend on whether it's hot or cold outside. It shouldn't depend on whether the local sports team won or lost on the weekend. You'd be pretty outraged if similar people 
convicted of the same crime receive different sentences. But actually, it turns out that all of those things that shouldn't impact upon the decision, it turns out they do. Yeah, it'd be outrageous if three similar people convicted the same crime but received three different sentences. So, you know, imagine you're possessing a, a, an illegal substance or something like that. Someone gets probation, someone else gets two years, and then you're the unlucky one out of that three and you get 10 years <laughs> and you're in with the, the, you know, the murderers and the, the killers and everything like that. Yeah, you wouldn't be too happy about that. But that's, that's a classic example of noise. And judges are found to be extremely noisy. Uh, all the way back in the 1970s, a famous judge by the name of Judge Marvin Frankel, uh, he created this thing called the Lawyers Committee for Human Rights after he saw some atrociously inconsistent decisions. So he saw two defendants, neither of whom had a criminal record. They both got caught for trying to cash fake checks. One was for $58, one for, was for $35, so both pretty negligible mm. amounts, you'd say. Anyway, one judge gave the first bloke 30 days in jail. The other judge gave the other bloke 15 years in jail. Oof. So for pretty much the same 30 crime. Days in, mate, I've done. I've actually done that before. I 30 days? No, counterfeit money. Oh, I think you mean you've done 30 days I was days like 15 or 16 trying to buy a, a Magnum with 20 bucks. <laughs> it was fake money. And we went up to the, uh, the milk bar and, and the bloke rightly so, he fucking chased us out <laughs> down the street. But, you know, I got off scot-free then. So that's, that's another, that's that's another the, version of noise. It's even more extreme. Um, but that's like that's like pretty obscene. Like between thirty days, which is almost nothing, to fifteen years, which is like a fair bloody oh, chunk. Unbelievable. That's crazy. That's very noisy. Uh, another one. Two similar cases of embezzlement, uh, where people had pinched money off similar sized companies. One person got one hundred and seventeen days. One person got twenty years. Hmm. Um, so it's pretty crazy. The big Marv. These are just two anecdotes. But he said this is just ridiculous. Judges as a collective. Obviously, being a judge himself, he was saying, look, we're cooked. We've got to try and sort this out somehow. Yeah, across the board, even in 1970s, he was promoting the idea that computers should be um, you know, coming up with the sentences and not these noisy judges. <laughs> yeah, correct. So what they did, they did this one big study where they got 50 of the top judges from across the US. They gave them all these 20 hypothetical cases. So they're all given the same information. Here's the background of the person. Here was the crime they committed. What sentence would you lay down on them? And you'd think that... 50 of the top judges, they'd all be pretty aligned in what they thought. But he says that their results uh, was just astounding. He said that the absence of consensus was the norm. So in terms of the noise in this system, heroin dealers could get anywhere from 1 to 10 years depending on the judge. Bank robbers range from 5 years to 18 years. And in an extortion case, punishments range from 20 years in jail plus a 65 grand fine to 3 years and no fine. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it's not. this is not just like Joe Blow off the street saying, hey, what would you punish this person? These were the top judges in the country that couldn't agree. He said that in 16 of the 20 cases, they didn't even agree whether they should be any punishment or not. Some judges said, no, this is worth nothing. This is a slap on the wrist and let them go out. So that's pretty, uh, it's pretty crazy. Unbelievable. So in just one of the cases, the judges who were most likely to grant parole Think of uh, Red in Shawshank Redemption, right? Like toward the end, you want this old bloke to get out there. Oh, he's, a, he's an institutionalized man by this stage. <laughs> but someone's success in parole are dependent on noise within the judge. So if it's at the beginning of the day rather than at the end, or if it's just after the lunch break or before when they're hungry, even if their sports team loses on the weekend, they've been proven to be harsher on the Monday than if their team won on the weekend. And judges are much more lenient on their birthdays. You know, they wake up, they get their breakfast made for them. They're pretty happy about things. And finally, also on the weather, like hot days means you're more likely to give them a big whack and say, no, mate, rather than a day when the temperature is a bit more comfortable. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. If you're going to commit a crime, you want to have your court date on a Monday that's the judge's birthday after their team's won where the day's not too hot and they've just had a nice big breakfast and they're not too hungry. Mate, that's actually 100% true though. <laughs> it's if crazy. You, if you know who your judge is, let's say if you've got a crime, if you do a bit of background research on, let's call it Judge Judy, oh, two of you, Judge, judge Jim, it's my um, great uncle who's actually a judge, and uh, you know you find out they barrack for St Kilda, you look at the fixture, you say, all right, what... Who's when are they going to be against the bottom side yeah. and maybe try and reschedule your, your date to that day? It's in summer, it's hot. Make you sure it's a 10 8. If you've got any control in all these things, you're probably going to have a bigger impact than the actual crime you made. And that's actually no joke. There's yeah. more noise than there is actual crime in, in the final judgments. We've been hanging a lot of shit on judges. There's um, a bit more to come later there, as well. There's more to come later as well. Judges aren't getting off scot-free here. The, the insurance people as well are pretty messed up. There's so much noise in insurance companies that the authors say it's basically like a lottery as to which agent inside the insurance company get determines on what sort of premiums you're going to have to pay. Now, there was a, there was a, a study that they did, which, I, which is pretty much what spawned this book, I believe, that they said, you know, in, in an insurance company, you know, you got two similar cases. What's the maximum sort of noise that you would expect between two people sitting on desks next to each other as to what premiums they would suggest? And the head honchos in this insurance company said, look, if it was, you know, four, five, six percent either way, that's probably justified. But if it's 10 percent, that's the absolute max. So big old Carney, big old Danny Khan, he went out there and said, okay, well, let's do a test. And they found that the median variance, the median noise was actually 55%. Oh. So that means if one person saying nine and a half grand, one person saying 16 grand, which is a massive difference. Nine and a half grand versus 16 grand. And that's just the median. Imagine the range in that situation, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, so you'd imagine someone would go seven grand on, on the mm. next door. Say if a big storm comes through, <laughs> next door neighbor with an identical house. Imagine they get 35 grand back in insurance <laughs> and then you get a measly five or six grand. Like these are the sort of numbers we're talking about the difference. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And in terms of this, obviously both ends of the spectrum are bad. If, yes. you're, if you're charging someone, uh, if, you, if you like quote a big company, hey, this is what's going to cost you to insure your building. If you quote too high, then they're going to say, this is a joke, I'm going somewhere else, so you're going to lose the business. And if you quote too low, then you're probably going to lose money because in, in terms of the statistics and the actuarial studies, you know, you'd work out, well, actually, the probability of this happening, mm. the expected value, we're going to lose money. So both ends of the spectrum are bad. Yeah, well, if they, you know, if for the person, they give only $6,500, they're going to lose that business. They're going to have mm. a bad reputation for being so tight. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, if they're giving too much money out, it's also not good business sense because if they keep making that error, they're going to lose money and end up being bankrupt because it just doesn't work out. So this insurance company where they conducted this study, they actually went back and said, well, if this is the amount of noise in our system, they did some calculations. They figured that it actually amounted to a loss of over a billion dollars for that company over a decade, which is ridiculous. And they said that the only thing that made them feel better about that was knowing that all other insurance companies were also just as noisy. So they were also losing billions of dollars themselves. And you could put a dollar figure to it is asset management. It's pretty clear that people have got different views of financial markets. So this is noise by definition. And this is the whole thing that drives markets because someone says, hey, that's undervalued. I'm going to buy it. And when someone else who's selling it thinks it's overvalued and thinks it's a good time to sell. That's just, yeah, as you said, that's just the nature of markets. That's how things happen. 
But where you wouldn't expect noise is in the, inside the same company. So two people, again, the desks are next to each other. You'd think that they having the same methodologies, having the same assessments of the market, having the same data, you think they'd be on a similar sort of page as to what they should be buying, what they should be selling, what the projected price would be. Again, a bit of a study. They found that having two people, they gave them the same information. You know, they, they got the profit and loss statements, the balance sheet, the cash flow. They looked at the projections of the stock price. Turns out they were 41% mm. off. Again, that was just a median. And if you know anything about the average returns of stocks, you know, 41%, it takes a long time to make up that 41% noise difference. Yes, yeah, so that means someone's overbuying by that amount or someone's under, you know, mm. quoting too far under that amount. So back to Daniel Kahneman's rule. Sorry for the other authors. We're kind of just like... <laughs> We're just giving all the credit to Kahneman. Kahneman, you probably did the whole lot, mate. <laughs> but his reputation is what's selling it. But wherever there is judgment, there is noise. So uh, I just, a few weeks ago, even just looking at the building code, I was reading that. And again, it's something where human judgment comes up. And I was in a bit of a stoush with someone... Um, you know, they're saying the interpretation's this and then someone else is saying the interpretation's that. You know, I just realized straight away that there is just noise in this system mm. and because of that, you might act differently based on understanding where, where noise is. For me, if you're thinking about different uh, marketing approaches, there's obviously a lot of uh, personal taste and consideration when you, you look at an image and you say, oh, this is something I like or this is something I don't like. But there's also a hell of a lot of noise in that situation as well. If you're looking at an advertising campaign, one person might think it's great. One person might think it sucks. That's sort of like the noise between different people. But then there's also noise between yourself. You can look at it one day and think this is awesome. Then you can look at it the next day and think, oh, mm. yeah, it's sort of okay. And then you look at it the day again and you think, oh, actually, no, this is pretty good again. Like the, there's so much noise within yourself and your own judgments that you can really throw yourself off as well. Well, I think that comes up in a lot of reading books as well. Like, uh, um, you know, judgment, what makes a good book. Timing, we always talk about timing being a thing but i think there's a lot of just noise as well um i'd say recently for you would be noise with say peterson whereas the first time you really really didn't really like his first one 12 rules for life and then mm. his next one beyond order all of a sudden it's eight or nine out of ten um and you could probably say the same about me when it comes to gladwell's books like for the reasons i bag Gladwell's books are the exact same reasons I like a uh, yeah um, definitely what's his name diamond <laughs> yeah, books correct. you say you know you hate stories <laughs> so much then <laughs> there's so much fluff and stories in in diamonds books like what, what's going on so where, wherever there's human judgment there's going to be noise and what all this noise amounts to is effectively it's basically like just a random lottery so if you're whatever it is if you're a, a defendant walking into a courtroom or if you're a patient walking into a hospital, if you're an inventor who's got a new invention walking into the patent office, if you're uh, wanting to invest your money and you walk into an asset management firm, it's really a random lottery as to who you get, which doctor you get, which judge you get, which investor you get, and also a bit of a random lottery on what sort of day they're having. You know, Has their sports <laughs> team won or lost? Are they hungry or have they just had lunch? There's sort of all these different lotteries that can really determine the amount of noise and then, of course, determine your results. So wherever there is human judgment on a whole range of different things, whether it be how long a jail sentence should be, the chances that the mysterious blob on the MRI is a benign tumor or a malignant one, or whether the job applicant is the best fit for the job or the value of the stock or much, 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 much more, obviously. So whenever there's these sorts of judgment, there's going to be different types of noise. So now we're going to look at 
the different components of noise, which is these three different parts. So level noise, pattern noise, and occasion noise. So level noise is probably the most obvious one, and that's the differences between different people. So if we hang shit on judges again, there's sort of different types of judges. Some are more strict, some are more lenient. They say some are harsh hanging judges, some are more more sort of lenient, empathic, bleeding heart judges. These are the, the level errors or the level noise. So again, the variability has nothing to do with justice. So if you've done something wrong and you go to the courtroom, you know the type of judge you get might be bigger than the actual crime mm. that you made. So these types of things might be based on a whole bunch of, of factors, their backgrounds, their life experiences, their political opinions, their biases, all sorts of different things determine what type of judge you're going to get, a harsh judge or a lenient judge. So let's just think about the judge's attitudes to sentences in general. Look, one judge who's lenient might think that the whole goal of jail, for example, is rehabilitation. So, you know, we want our system to put them through jail and get them back out into society and live their life again. But someone else might be thinking the whole point of jail and sentencing is getting rid of the criminal off the streets and keeping them off. So you can see how these two different perspectives about the whole criminal and justice system leads to completely different results. Yeah, the authors, I'll say the authors, I'll give Big Cass and Big Olivier a bit of credit as well, but they say that this sort of average level of sentencing is almost like a personality trait. So it's in the same category of you know extroversion versus introversion or passivity versus aggressiveness. Uh, they're saying that like you can be harsh or lenient. It's almost like a personality trait between different people. So here what we're calling error is the deviation from the mean. So this is the level noise, so the difference between judges, which creates some sorts of errors. So other areas that it might pop up, like some supervisors are more lenient than others, giving you better performance reviews. So if you, you know you're getting a review of one manager, you're going to get a good story and a good narrative about what you've done. You might even get a bonus to go along <laughs> with that. Uh, or predictions of market share where some forecasters more optimistic than others. Some are bears, like uh, if you think about your doom and gloom type investors who me and you have listened to in the past, like your Peter Schiff types, they're predicted 43 out of the last three economic <laughs> <right>. crashes. <laughs> or recommending for back surgery, like you go to some doctor and they're always saying, all right, you need to get your, your back surgery done for some reason compared to the rest who says you need to do more physio or something like that. Yeah, so all these things are the level errors, the differences between people, whether they're, they're nice or harsh in their performance reviews, whether they're optimistic or pessimistic about the markets, whether they say go for surgery or just do some stretches. These are all differences between different people and this is what we call level noise. After that, we've also got pattern noise, which is actually the variation within different people. As in, uh, if we go back, again, we'll go back to the judges. Uh, one judge might be harsh in general, but they're actually pretty lenient when it comes to white-collar crimes. Or one judge might be sort of more lenient in general, but they go extra hard when it comes to repeat offenders. Or a third, they might be just you know your average in terms of general sort of uh, aggressiveness. But when it comes to an old person, that's when they go. That's when they double down and say, "Well, the old person should have known better." So this is when it comes to specific cases, the judge themselves is different. And a lot of the time, they might be completely unaware. So let's just say that it's the type of judge who thinks the whole point is getting the criminals off the streets for as long as possible. But then some defendant walks in and uh, she looks a little bit like his daughter at home. And then yeah. um, unbeknownst to, to this judge, all of a sudden, it's a very lenient sentencing coming out from this one, one particular case. So, you know, producing noise in this system. 
So we've got our level noise, which is the differences between different people. You got your pattern noise, where you've got uh, the same person's got different views on different situations. Then you've got your occasion noise, which is kind of just like just random random errors almost that depend on uh, the things we were talking about before, like the weather or if they're hungry or not. These are all the things that contribute to occasion noise. Let's say you've got a professional basketball players and it's a game. You've got one team, you've got Steph Curry and you've got Shaq and they need to shoot free throws throughout the match. So we can explain the different types of noise here. So between Steph Curry and Shaq, we've got level noise and we know Steph Curry, 90% of the time he's going to shoot and and get it in. Shaq is probably one of the worst free throwers of all time. If you've seen his style, it's unbelievably <laughs> bad. And he's about 50%. But then you've also got this occasion noise. So even Steph Curry, if you get him the ball and he's just a little bit warmed up into the game, maybe he's hitting his peak, right? You're three minutes into the first quarter. He's going to get it every time. But then you put it in the same player in a different situation. It's at the very end of the game. He's at the away crowds stadium and it's also one of the finals with all the pressure and everyone in the whole entire crowd booing so these different influences are going to change Steph Curry within himself and create this occasion noise for him to have different variances and it's quite easy for us to tell the story of if if Steph Curry misses then we come up with all those things we say oh maybe he's tired at the end of the game maybe he missed his last shot so his confidence was a little bit off and then you see Shaq and Shaq misses. We forget about all those and we just say, oh, Shaq sucks. Shaq sucks. <laughs> we, we ignore those things. But basically, all those different elements of noise are present in both situations. It's pretty difficult to observe the variability within your own mind. Like, for, for example, I really don't like chick flick movies most of the time, but I found myself almost in tears to one <laughs> um, last week. What was it called? The Perks of Being a Wallflower. A beautiful movie oh, that put man, me in tears. A, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I don't know. Is that a chick flick? Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it is, and I, I just I said it wasn't because I was. Well, maybe you had a bit well. of occasion noise there, but if you <laughs> so. if you got me watching that, you know, maybe when I'm in all tough mode and I've got my <laughs> system one and two not depleted, maybe I'll have a very different perception of that movie. Or if I'm watching in front of a few other mates uh, who are who I'm trying to be tough around and you know all blokey or something, yeah, and I'll probably just not act like I don't like the movie or something. <laughs> I remember one where I I was went with a with a group of mates. We got some KFC Zinger boxes delivered and we watched Borat 2 and it was the funniest movie we'd ever seen when three blokes watching it together and then when I played it, watching it with the, with the, with the fiancé as well, all of a sudden Borat wasn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even Same movie but that occasion noise was, was rife. It comes up all the time. What was that book we did once? When we read it once and we did the notes and in the notes I said, this is the worst book ever. And 12 months later, I kind of forgot and then yeah. I said it was the best, <laughs> the best book I've ever read. It happens all the time. <laughs> it happens with wine experts. So, this is actual studies here. So, a major US wine competition and they were asked to taste the same wine twice. Obviously, yeah. they weren't told they're drinking the same wine twice, but only 18% maintain the same opinion as their first yeah. first opinion. Imagine, so, you're at a blind taste test. I see here, here, taste this, you score it. Uh, you know, you score out of 10 and then they say, okay, here's the next one, taste this. And you're like, oh, this is much better. Turns out they're the same wine. Yeah. <laughs> and only 18% of them actually identified that they were the same wine, yeah. which means 82% of these so-called experts were just making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Comes down to English exams as well. So, this is, I remember at the end of year 12, you English exam gets submitted. They did a test where they had the same English teacher review the same exam, but, you know, maybe a couple of months apart, so they forgot about it. Again, they gave the entirely different grade both times. 
Another one is fingerprint examiners. Now, I just thought Ooh. fingerprint was a fingerprint, as in you look at the fingerprint and everyone's got their own unique fingerprint. It's pretty easy to tell if, you know, it's, well, I don't know about it. it's easy, but, you know, it should be obvious that scientifically there's a, a right answer and a wrong answer. Turns out they actually, when they gave uh, two people, like they gave them a fingerprint and then a week later they said to test the same fingerprint, they got a different answer. Ooh. And it's a, it's a pretty it's a very different thing to say this is definitely the criminal versus I'm not sure if this is the one or not. It might not be. There's a big variation. Mate, it's there. a wholly consequential. I'm, I'm nervous to step outside with all this, this, this noise so in the judgment noise. system. So much noise everywhere. <laughs> Stay at home. There was, one, there was one funny thing actually with those fingerprints. If they said to them, oh, can you double check this one from last week that you did? And they're like, yeah, nah, double checked. It's all good. I was correct. But if they didn't tell them, all of a sudden it was a different answer. <laughs> Unbelievable. So this is all to say that you're not the same person at all times. There's all sorts of things that are just going to change within your machinery and just the context will shift around you where you'll have a different judgment of whatever the situation might be. So in short, you are noisy. So basically, we've spent the last half an hour telling you about how noisy you are, how messed up everybody is, how messed up all these professionals like the lawyers and the doctors that we think should be experts are actually extremely noisy. Thankfully, We've got some recommendations about how you can reduce noise, how you can improve your own judgments as well. So whenever there is noise that pops up, there's six different principles that we can cycle through to actually reduce the amount of error in the system. So the first one is to realize the goal of judgment is accuracy and not individual expression. So things like personal values or your individuality or your creativity, they are essential in many places of decision-making, but sometimes these things are what produce noise in the system. Secondly, we should think statistically and take the outside view. So we shouldn't be looking at this case in isolation, but we should be looking, okay, who's done this kind of thing in the past? How have they gone? And let's use those to base our judgments on. Thirdly, we can structure judgments into several independent tasks, so dividing and conquering. So let's say we've got a judge looking at a shoplifting case. You can separate the different aspects of the crime. So it might be how much did they steal? What did they steal? Did they kick the homeless man on the way out of, of, of leaving the, the room? So there's all these different aspects you can judge. And with that, you're going to have less room for the fact that the person looks a little bit like your daughter. Fourth is resist premature intuitions. So thinking fast and slow was all about uh, the difference between like a, a, the fast intuition type thinking and the slow thinking. Kahneman here, or again, and the other two blokes as well, but Kahneman's <laughs> saying just, uh, you know, delay that intuition. Don't jump to just your first assessment. First impressions can actually lead you down a single shoot. That's where confirmation bias comes in. Instead, you should be thinking, okay, well, my initial judgment how far off is it off the mark? What are the reasons why I could be wrong? Which assumptions that I've made could be wrong? You know, what are some other considerations I should bring in? And like based on all these new perspectives, maybe I should have a second think. Maybe I should make a second guess rather than just relying on my first intuition. The fifth principle we can rely on is obtaining independent judgments from multiple judges and then aggregating those judgments. And finally, we should favor relative judgments and relative scales rather than absolute ones. So rather than saying uh, this wine is a 6 out of 10 and this wine's an 8 out of 10, if you say this wine is better than that wine, it's actually going to be more realistic because like 6 out of 10 and 8 out of 10 kind of means nothing. But if you can rank them and have them on a relative scale, then it's actually going to be more realistic. Yeah, if I think you've Rotten Tomatoes versus IMDb, IMDb's always got a very poor score. So <laughs> I'm going to look at that on a relative scale between the both. Mm. But if something's you know, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a 9.9 .9 equivalent, you're not going to be able to compare the two. Mm. 
If I think of the example we mentioned before about creating a, an ad for a product, uh, we can sort of look through some of these different principles to try to work out what's the best ad that we can create. Uh, one important thing is the goal should be accuracy, not individual expression. So you shouldn't think, oh, I like this or I don't like this. You should be thinking, well, what's actually going to work or what's not going to work? Uh, one of the ones was breaking down the judgment into several independent items, so dividing and conquering. If you look at an image, you can say, okay, well, what about the colors? Do you like that or not? What about the, the, the words? Do you like the words or not? What about the button? Do you like the button or not? What about the you know focusing on a person versus focusing on a product? There's all those different things that you can break it down. Uh, and then probably another important one is to go to independent different judges and aggregate different judges together. Don't just rely on your own intuition, but ask five different people what they think and group those decisions together rather than just relying on one person. Yeah, so in each case there, you're going to aggregate and get the average of, of all of them and there's going to be less noise in the system through aggregation in this example. A different context we've covered in this episode is interviewing for a job, so structures in hiring. Um, let's just say that the goal of an employment interview is find someone who's good and you're going to hire them for them to be successful in your job. But what's pretty surprising, there's a lot of studies that show that the correlation between the judgment of the evaluator who says, all right, we're going to go with that person and the prediction about how successful they're going to be on the job is very, very low. So a lot of times, the ones they think can be the most successful are the biggest drop kicks and vice versa, the ones they actually don't think can be that great end up being superstars. So Google realized that noise was a massive problem in their hiring decisions. So they've tried to find some ways where they can go through some of these six principles to try to eradicate the noise to try to get to a more accurate decision. Now, one which is quite uh, obvious is that aggregation of different judges, rather than just having one person interview the candidate and make their own decision, actually, you should probably have three or four different people interview them and then you can aggregate. So on average, four different people looking at the same case, you're going to get it a more accurate view because the noise will sort of all cancel out rather than just relying on one noisy person. They've got an example where a candidate was in the interview room and there was actually only two interviewers in this case. And what she said was that in her previous job, she had a strategic disagreement with the CEO. Now, the two different interviewers had a different judgment on this case. One thought it was a very positive thing, right? Like this lady, she's values-driven. She actually stood up to the CEO when it was necessary and she's got a lot of courage. But the other candidate thought it was a sign of immaturity. Obviously, she can't handle her emotions and just can't deal with whatever the CEO's decisions might be. So they're polar opposite judgments for the same thing. But if you actually had three or four different people in the room, you're probably going to get something to a much more accurate. Is she a courageous leader or is she someone who's immature? Another thing Google did was they tried to create structured types of interviews and they broke down the four aspects of Googliness, the four things that they wanted to assess people on. So what this meant was that the, the people doing the interviews could only rate the candidates on those four aspects. That eradicated the things like the halo effect of good looks, smooth talk, you know, exciting hobbies, uh, all those other interesting things that the recruiter might look to and be influenced by that don't actually relate to the job whatsoever. So by breaking down what they actually wanted, creating some structure around how they're rating people, they were able to eradicate some of the noise. So by shoehorning your concentration on these four aspects, cognitive ability, leadership, cultural fit, and role-related knowledge, and you're only looking at those things, you're not going to fall victim to all the other things that unconsciously alter your opinion. All of a sudden, you've got structured behavioral interviews. So a lot of this sounds very mechanistic, which it is. Like These solutions are very mechanistic. You're 
you're getting the humanness and the intuition out of the room just so you can actually be structured in your judgment. So with Google here, they're obviously thinking statistically and taking the outside view of the case. They're resisting premature intuitions. And of course, they're realizing that the goal of judgment is accuracy um, through the mechanistic method they've got rather than just having individual expression. So in this episode, we introduced a new concept that was uh, new to both of us, definitely a different form of error. We always think about bias and bias is very different in noise because it's got this kind of explanatory charisma, um, Kahneman says, right? Like it just, it's got more charisma when you say, hey, it's a planning fallacy as opposed to, hey, I didn't have lunch yesterday and that's why I made up a stupid decision. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So bias is that the systematic uh, errors as in that, that you're always off in one specific direction all the time, whereas noise is all those random scattergun of errors that means you're all over the shop. Uh, and obviously, both things are bad because both ways you're missing the correct answer. We need to try to reduce bias and we need to try to reduce noise. Yeah, and the consequences can be huge if it runs rampant. And I think it's running rampant in all sorts of different contexts because no one has really brought it to light. But luckily, there is a solution. Kahneman, he calls it decision hygiene and has gone through the six different principles of reducing noise that we covered previously. And all of them, they're very mechanistic and they're removing the component of human judgment and this is how we reduce noise. Mm-hmm.